Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. What a pleasure it is for us a bit to dive right into the living, the Loveland Living Planet Aquarium. What a jewel here along the Wasatch Front. And so we've brought in Caroline Ralston. Caroline, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. I want to make sure I have the correct title. Your role with the Living Planet Aquarium? Director of Marketing and Public Relations. Ah, see, she's got a smile on her face and she (laughs) makes it all accessible for us. Also with us is Steve Vogel. Steve, now you work in animal education or tell me what your title is my title is director of zoological operations wow which means i take care of all the animals with my staff how many animals uh can you give me a kind of an average count or should i say species are at the living planet aquarium because to me it's so rich every corner i turn we're well over ten thousand individuals wow um and approximately 450 uh, species right now how do you become an expert on 450 species steve (laughs) Uh, That's daunting. (laughs) I mean, I raised three kids and it was hard enough, right? Um, A a lot of them are very similar. So you can learn a lot in a very short period of time. uh, And then you infer. And then you learn what you don't know. And you learn that next. (laughs) And you go. It's been really exciting as a community um, to follow the growth of the Living Planet Aquarium. And how it's been a few years. uh, I'm not going to do the count. How long have we been in Sandy? Or is it Draper officially? It's Draper officially. Uh We've been there for four years. But I mean, the the Living Planet Aquarium actually started in the 90s. I mean, it started with our CEO driving around an aqua van, visiting local schools and teaching them about you know, species they'd never get to meet otherwise. And to me, uh, at least the last time I spoke to someone from the Living Planet Aquarium, those vans, that idea of bringing outreach and education, it's still ongoing, isn't it correct? Absolutely. We actually visit every single elementary school in the state. Every second grader gets to meet um, our aqua van, and we also do fourth grade and sixth grade. Um, we don't reach fourth grade and sixth grade throughout the entire state of Utah, but we do certainly along the Wasatch Front, and we are expanding that reach too. How extraordinary is it's that? It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, the kids get so excited. It comes. You said it's the aqua van, the aqua van, the Utah Waters van, and. Oh, the Utah Waters Van, is that one that talks about the process of water? The water cycle, The yes. water cycle, yeah. And watershed. Um, and then I'm trying to remember the other one. It'll come to it, us later. It's okay, because <laughs> I won't remember it once you say it. So Now, the big news, and, and my son and his wife are huge animal fans, and so they brought this up to me, which I was really appreciative. The sloths are back in town. First time, actually, right? Or tell me a little bit more. The sloths are now here at the Loveland We Living do now Planet have Graham? sloths. Okay, um, that's correct. And they're amazing creatures. They're yes, they're slow. Yes, they are. Got to got to go with Well, the, and, and in Spanish, which is my second language, um they're called a perezoso, okay? And it's also a term that you would use for someone who is not um well, is lazy. So someone <laughs> is it's very, they you kind of like slothful here, but it's sure. used all the time, but indeed there are perezosos in the trees in Bolivia. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So you've how many sloths do you have? So we have two. We have a male mm-hmm. and a female. Um I'm not going to tell you they're lazy. Um I would say that they're deliberate. Yeah. And it's really kind of interesting to watch them move. Yes, they're not speedy, okay? But 
every single movement is test the branch, make sure it's not going to drop me on my head, move to the next one, and all four feet and a prehensile tail. It's amazing. I can, I can say I'm going to go back to my mother role. I can see parents telling their three-year-old, be like a sloth. Yep, that's <laughs> right. Think go down like the stairs sloth. slowly. <laughs> so um, these are creating a lot of attention, a lot of excitement. Can you, I mean, obviously with your expertise in zoological studies, I'll say, why is a sloth so slow? Um, it is being deliberate. It's his first. His metabolism is very slow, so that kind of drives part of that. Um, they eat fruits and vegetables off of trees and leaves, right? So it's not like you have to go far to get food. You're not hunting it, right? You know, you have to sneak up on that fruit. <laughs> <laughs> There's right? plenty of time to get that banana um, and just keep climbing. That's right. Just keep going. Um, the other thing is. It's not safe for them down on the ground because they're slow. So they don't come down very often, once a week. They do come down once they a week. They do come down once a week. Now, do you have them? I haven't had a chance to see the exhibit yet or to see them. Do you have them in a tree? Mm -hmm. The exhibit is, is an aviary that we rebuilt for our toucans. And we said, hey, this would be perfect. Um, along the same lines, two became available that we had been searching for for quite a while. I don't mind you saying and it was and, slow to find them. And slow to find time. them, yeah. <laughs> Almost two years. Wow. Um, but we rebuilt the exhibit, obviously for something different, and said, hey, this would be perfect. So we changed some trees around. We did some modifications, um, added some planter space, and it turned out to be literally perfect. Oh, my goodness. And so they, what do they come down once a week for? To defecate. Okay. <laughs> I had to ask. You know another way to say it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so, interesting because when I was in Hawaii, I found that there were chickens that lived way up on um, on the top of branches and mm -hmm. trees. And I had never seen that before. And I thought, boy, animals in the wild do a lot more things that we don't expect them to be right. doing, like coming down once a week, once to, a week. to defecate. Okay. <laughs> and if you think about it, when you only defecate once a week, it's pretty big, right? Yep. Like 25% of their body weight. Actually, I would not have thought of that, Steve. For those who are listening, yes, this is Steve okay. Vogel with the That's Loveland right. Living Planet Aquarium. I just we want that on the record. We have Caroline Ralston. So our book, Ralston, there are books called Everyone Poops. That includes sloths. Mm -hmm. And that is actually really quite fascinating to me. 20 to 25% of their body weight. Yep. And it makes easy for, as an as a animal keeper, we take samples of that to make sure they don't have any parasites or anything like that. So it makes it really easy for, for my staff to make sure the animals are healthy. Right. And once a week cleanup, that's it. Yep. Wow. Favorite animal. There's no other once a week animal no. at the Living Planet <laughs> You should see the look on his eyes. No. Oh, dilation. No, there's a lot more. But, um, you know, it's interesting the role that uh, books and uh, animation and movies have in creating interest and attention and affection towards animals. And I can't remember, but there is a character of a sloth. Zootopia. Zootopia. And yeah, kids, the DMV. Right? It's and kids, hilarious. Yeah. It's, a great, it's a great little piece. And we've had a bunch of people reference that and mm -hmm. um, put little gifs on our social feeds of the sloth. And um, it's been great. And also Ice Age um, had a sloth in, in their, their films as well. Now, they, it's interesting because um, is it, do I refer to them as claws? Yes. They, they have really long, it seems like long nails or talons. Yes, and that is there's a two toed and a three toed sloth. Mm -hmm. Ours are three toes. Um, Congratulations on getting yes. the three toed. Oh wait, I'm sorry. What am I doing? Let me take it's this three, back. It's, <laughs> it's it's two toes. There's there's two toes on the front uh -huh. and three toes on the back. 
on the back legs. Wow. Um, a three-toed sloth has three on both. Okay. Um, and imagine, if you will, holding onto a branch with all of your weight with two fingers. And that's what they do. So that's why those claws are like that. Have to be so strong yeah. to be able to support yep. that weight. So, Caroline, there's been a lot of excitement oh, yeah. uh, to have the sloths there. Tell me why it's been so important to bring different varieties of animals to the community. What's interesting is I, I see time and time again on different platforms, people reviewing their visit at the aquarium, and they're always so shocked that it's so much more than an aquarium. They assume we're just full of a bunch of fish, and they come and they see clouded leopards, they see binturongs, they see Asian small clawed otters, and then now sloths. And the variety is really important to us because we like to showcase full ecosystems. That's why we call ourselves the living planet. Um, so we are, in, you know, really a lot more than an aquarium. So when it comes to understanding the difference, for example, from our typical zoo experience might be just walking by yeah. that exhibit. This time we're understanding why that animal grow, um, lives uh, in this type of, of uh, climate, why that is important to that animal, how the climate works to preserve their lives and how they exactly. work together. Mm -hmm. And that's why, for example, our Journey to South America exhibit, it is a climate controlled, fully like immersive exhibit. 100% humidity? Yeah, mm -hmm. pretty much. You, you When you leave the exhibit, you feel damp uh, and then you get a little cold because you were, you know, quite, it was in the 70s the entire time you were in the exhibit itself. But we have it like that. So you can see all the animals you would typically see in the Amazon. That's an anaconda and everything from that and river giants to toucans and a variety of birds flying about. I have to ask the obvious question. How big is your anaconda? Because She's those... nine feet? 14. So does that make her an adolescent? No, she's, she's actually well over 20 years old. Oh my. She is, she okay. is an adult. Um, the thing about a lot of those snakes is they grow um, and they continue to grow throughout their lives until they hit that adult stage. And then it slows down. It never stops, which is how you get to these animals that are, you know, 18, 19, 20 I get nightmares long. over those. Yeah. The um, videos. Once you've seen them, you can't unsee them. Right. And the other thing that, that I think is amazing about the aquarium, just to tag on to what Caroline had just said, is – you never know what animal is going to make an impact on a person. And so we're constantly looking at some of those things that people find interesting. And we go, could, that, could we do that here? Could we make a connection with them? And if we do, then that just brings all of the issues that are out there, deforestation, all the conservation issues, closer to home for those people. And maybe that will be the next thing that we'll say – Hey, let's work on this. Let's let's see what we can do to help. And that's kind of where we want to go 10, 15 years down the road is to to start helping people understand some of the issues so that we can conserve. And and I'll, you can correct me on this as well. Um in that my lifetime, you know, I'm I'm always open. I'm 52 years old. It feels like it's only been in my lifetime that we as a world culture um, have talked about the effects of the exploitation of our forests, of our jungles, of our animals, of the deforest deforestation, what happens to communities, what happens to nature when we mow in and scrape the earth and mine it and without consideration to the ecosystems that are around it. It's fairly new. So for those of us who've been living decades, we're like, oh, we've been talking about this. But the truth is, if you go back over history, we have, we've done a lot 
of um, accidental and some purposeful damage to some very vital systems yes. in our world. And we want to try to get to a point where we can help people to understand and make better choices but, so that those things don't happen. And South America is in the news quite a bit. And I, I mentioned mm-hmm. I lived in Bolivia in the heart of South America. The Amazon was there as I would walk through the trees. Not only were there sloths, mm-hmm. but there was just we were right in the middle of an ecosystem that I had been unfamiliar with. As uh, coming from where I came from, uh, which was Mediterranean climate. But it was fascinating. Different animals, different insects, different birds, different fruits, different vegetables, and, and things that I had never tasted or experienced or heard here in America. And you'd hate to lose that vitality. So with the journey to South America, what are the animals? You mentioned something that I'd never heard of before that started with the letter B. That's a binturong, but that's actually in our Asia exhibit. Oh, okay. Binturong? Binturong. Okay. Some people call them bear cats as well. Yep. Okay. First, again, tell me South America. Uh, I know you've got hundreds of animals, yep. but <laughs> the, some of the highlights of, of those animals, because the sloths came from Guyana, Guyana yes. on the northern tip of South America. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, the issue there was deforestation. We didn't just go rip them out of the tree. We never do France that. France was the one who colonized mm-hmm. originally. I say Guyana. I'm trying to say Guyana. Um, and I don't know if they're an independent country now, but they've- Yes, they are. Uh-huh. Um, and in our case, the they were clear-cutting a, a forest for the lumber. Um, and obviously, all the animals were had to be relocated. And some of them ended up in a rehabilitation center mm. because they could not be released where uh, there were too many other animals. And so we were given the opportunity to bring some to the aquarium. Which What are some of those animals besides the anaconda? So we mentioned oh. the, the toucans. We have uh, redfoot tortoises. We do. We also have caimans. Cuban iguanas. And, piranhas. Uh, and the toucans. Piranhas. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I would, Big piranha. I would pause in that area <laughs> for just a bit. The right? piranhas are actually on the same exhibit as the anaconda, which – and by, just to mention it, our anaconda's name is Peaches, which I just kind of have to share because I think it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit of humor in that one. Yeah. Right. Okay. right. <laughs> but the Living Planet Aquarium on the big picture, and I know we've been talking details, but um, it's hours during December and January. When is it open and available and what kind of experiences can we have? It's 10 to 6 daily. Um, however, on Mondays, we did start a thing for family night. So from 4 to 8 o'clock, we've extended hours during the evening. From 4 to 8 o'clock, it's $5 off your ticket. So that's kind of nice. It makes it a little more accessible Absolutely. to everybody. Sure. Um, I think it was twenty ninety five for adults, sixteen ninety five for students. Am I close? Kind of, okay, go ahead. Close. Nineteen ninety five for adults. All right. Uh, fourteen ninety five for kids and students in the middle at sixteen ninety five. Right, week, which so. was great. I was telling my son, I'm like, there'll yeah. be a student discount. Hang Bring on. your ID. Hang on to that. <laughs> that that's important for you. Um, and you said, is it a family night on Monday? Family okay. nights on Mondays, four to eight, five dollars off each ticket. So you can either go um, as a as a family, as a couple, as a an interested uh, member of our community who wants to learn more. Um, but you also have other experiences. Talk to me a little bit about that. We do well right. Now, Festival of the Seas is happening, so that's its own ballpark mm-hmm. for December. But regularly, I mean, if you'd like to meet our Gen 2 penguins, we have 21 Gen 2 penguins now, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you'd like to meet them and actually feed them, we offer a penguin encounter, which they do fill up a lot on weekends, so you might want to call early and call try ahead. To, yeah, call ahead if you really want it on a weekend. Um, but it's I've done it, and it's an awesome experience. You go behind the scenes, and it's very cold. 
I'm just going to warn you, we give you a big parka to put on um, and you get a little thing full of fish and you just get to hand feed them and the penguins just swarm in and they're, they're hungry. They and eat ready right to go. out of your hand. And yes. I learned something else. Penguins love bubbles. Did you know that? So if you blow bubbles, they're captivated that, by that's it? That's one of the ways that we've used to signal them to come in and get their food. Yeah. Oh, really? Isn't it cute? <laughs> so some places use a tone. Some places use a light. We decided that we would be a little bit different and have a little bit of fun. And because um, we use all kinds of different enrichment for the animals, this turned out to be one of the things they really like. So, so when they went, see the bubble, do they chase the bubble? They're curious. They come, to... they come running into the room when the bubbles go out. <laughs> so we open the back door mm-hmm. to the exhibit. So from the front of the exhibit, the guests don't see – the guests who are not part of the penguin encounter don't see into our service area. Sure. Um, but they see the bubbles come out and the penguins – oh, That's and, time to go. And they come running in. Wow. Little Pavlovian response. Right. Yeah, a little bit. I'm still curious. Do they try to pop the bubbles? So far they haven't yes. had that. Okay. Yes. That is just really cute. Mm-hmm. So these penguin encounters, weekday or weekend, you just have to book Every early. day. Every but day. weekends just fill up fast. So I would call ahead. We also do a stingray feed where you can feed stingrays. And um, they're really soft. On the bottoms, yeah. yeah. Well, on the top actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's neat. You just you put a piece of food in between your index and your middle finger, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it'll just kind of swoop over and suck it right out. I have a memory of bringing my friend's kids, three of them, over to the old uh, Living Planet Aquarium mm-hmm. location. And it was not just stingrays, but I think there were a type of sand shark or, or flat shark mm-hmm. that was there. And I could not get the 10-year-old boy to put his hand in that water. Aww. And everyone, come on, you can do it. And he'd get really close and then pull it back. And, and it's the fear. And what I love, eventually, he, you know, he put his hand on top of my hand. My hand went on, and it, that was as close as we got. But I think that is representative of the, um, the fantasy or misinformation that we might have and the fear and mis- of animals. But when we get to be close to them, we start to understand which indeed are predators mm-hmm. and which one indeed are, are safe to interact with. So I just along those exact same lines as we just literally last weekend – had a little one who would not touch. Mm-hmm. And after, I'm not going to, I don't want to say coercion. It was mm-hmm. more like coaxing yes. from the parents. But the eyeballs lit up, right? I mean, big, gigantic, oh my goodness, you know, squeals. And <laughs> they couldn't drag the kid away from the Once they broke through that barrier. So uh, as soon as they realized that it, hey, it really is okay. It was there was no stopping after that. Um, I want to talk about it really is okay, and also that educational mission of the Living Planet Mm -hmm. Aquarium because it's not only that you um, rely upon the admission, but for those of us who feel it's very important for us to maintain um, education and information and awareness of the vitality of the ecosystems around the world for our animals. There is ways for us to donate to the Living Planet Aquarium. Is that yeah, still true? Absolutely. You can go to thelivingplanet.com slash gifting, actually, and learn more about how to donate. Right now, we actually just received an amazing, very generous donation of a million dollars from an anonymous donor. Congratulations. It's, it's amazing. And um, it's actually to, to go towards our new science learning center. So we're expanding. We have a, we have a nine-acre lot directly south of our current facility in Draper, that we're building a science learning campus on. And the first building will be our science learning center. And that's going to have a conservation center. It's going to have new animal exhibits. It's going to have interactive labs and you name it. It's going to be very state-of-the-art, um, also a beautifully designed building. Um, 
So right now, that's what we're raising funds for, and that is to really help further our mission. Right now, we, like I said, we, we, we visit every school in the state of Utah, but we also are totally at capacity for field trips. I mean, there, there's a waiting list to come in and bring your students in. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we saw a real need to expand and build this new center and be able to welcome even more schools in. So. I wanted to bring that up because we're coming towards the end of the year. Yeah. And often for tax purposes, people are thinking, and you're, you, maybe you hadn't thought, the Living Planet Aquarium to help the Science Center or to help continue to have yeah. these animals. Well, what I should have mm-hmm. mentioned is that that $1 million donation, it's actually a match challenge. So that million dollars, we can raise up to that and it's going to be matched 100%. Okay, so another motivation. Another there. motivation. Now, another motivation you might have, by the way, that's Caroline Ralston. We also have Steve Vogel in the studio with us today, is you want to keep the otters in the tank. Where do you keep the otters, Steve? Oh, <laughs> I'm just that's the a little tongue live. in cheek. Yeah. No, the otters live. We have we have a, a, a land space, a water space for them, but we also have behind the scenes spaces for them. Um, and as part of this, the learning center that we're building is we'd like to build an outside space as well. And so a lot of those those animals will benefit greatly by spending some time in an enclosure. We got to keep them safe, but keeping them outdoors. Some sunshine, sunshine, and natural and, weather, and, um, and just clean, just natural air. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I um, understand completely what you're and saying. And so, that's part of this is we're we're actually fencing in and creating exhibits that are outside that are shared with a lot of different animals, which normally would be like, oh wait, we don't. Okay, do that. who can be together with otters outside? They will never be. To, they'll never be together, okay. but they'll share the space. All right. So the otters will be out for a certain period of time during the day. They'll be shifted in, the doors will be locked down, and the leopards will be let out into that same space. Good timing. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And they'll be able to smell each other. They'll obviously be cleaning out in between. But that way, there's always enrichment. The exhibits will always be changing, and the animals will get that mental engagement, new new spaces to explore. Okay. I, I feel like my time is going by so quickly. We have three minutes together. Some of the key animals that really bring the crowds, and, and we've said anaconda and otters and sloths and leopards. Uh, what you have, I mean, sharks to Sharks, me. I would go. Sharks, sharks. right? Yeah. So what, what kind of sharks do you have, guys? And so, that's been, what, two years since the sharks came to town? Or? Oh, we've had sharks for a okay. while, yep. but our exhibit is now a 300,000-gallon right. tank that you shark. can right. walk through. So. And so... With the sharks that we have now, we do have gray reef sharks, we have nurse sharks, we have sandbar sharks. Um, some of those are the classic, um, what you think of, what we call ram ventilators, the ones that have to keep swimming, very torpedo-shaped. Mm-hmm. And, Beautiful, though. Gorgeous. Um, other animals, other sharks that we have are guitarfish, which is literally shaped like I did, a guitar. I, I had never seen it before, <laughs> and I thought, my goodness, what creativity our creator had on that and one. And Wobegon's my favorite. Yep. Which one? The Wobegon shark is my favorite. Otherwise known as a carpet shark, um, he's very Curry? flat. He's a flattened shark, mm-hmm. um, very rounded nose, and he blends uh, in with the environment so well. And he's like a what do you call it when you chomp on you're like a stealth predator? Or oh, he's he's an ambush predator. There you go, ambush. Yep. Now, <laughs> at growing up on the coast, like I did, we knew that when we walked into the beach water, we had to shuffle our yep. feet to signal not the stingray. We were thinking of the sand sharks because oh, right. if they felt our vibration, we were always told whether that was a no. It is well, true. I tell that that you're true. safer. So hmm. I, I still here I am in the water last weekend. <laughs> shuffles, shuffle, and, and by all means, that's a great strategy 
because they don't want you to step on them yeah. and they they will move. But our Wobegong will literally sit right next to the window <laughs> and nobody will see him until you point him out. And then it's, what? Whoa. Oh, my goodness. And Whoa. so there's a surprise factor there. Yeah, he's cool. Does he's he have right a name? There. No. Okay. No. Just woe be gone. Yeah, woe be gone. <laughs> woe is here and woe be gone. He's that <laughs> stealth. So the sharks as well. And you said leopards, which surprises me. We had we do yeah. have clouded leopards in our Asian exhibit. They're gorgeous. Okay. Asian exhibit has the benda. The binturongs. What are those? It's called a bear cat. It's, a, it's an animal that lives up in the trees. It has a prehensile tail. The ones that we have are all black, as most of them are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost a rat-like face. Is it a bear or a cat? What is it? It's, <laughs> it's kind of a in between. It, it's, okay, it's more closely related to a weasel than anything else. Really? Oh, I um, didn't know that. <laughs> Darn it! But, but they're big. They're yeah. big. They're okay. huge. Um, rodents of unusual size. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> for those of you who know the Princess Bride movie. You do, you do, um, you do. as you wish. But the <laughs> the interesting thing about the bear cats or the binturons is their urine. And here we are back to poop. Um, <laughs> smells like popcorn. No. This is true. Yeah. It so is what, absolutely so true. So does that mean you've got other animals thinking, I'm ready for some <laughs> movies? Some movies. Well, I'm going to tell you that walking into that backup space is way different than walking into the otter backup space. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so delighted to have both of you today, Steve Vogel and Caroline Ralston from the Loveland uh, Living Planet Aquarium, to remind us of the jewel and the treasure that we have right here in Draper. Give us the address again, please. It's uh, in Draper, right Mm -hmm. off of I-15. All right, you're going to see it right. If you're heading southbound on I-15, you see it on the right. Correct. On the west side, if you head northbound, that makes it on your left. right off of uh, 126 South. Okay. Hours again, 10 to 6, although Monday, correct me? 10 to 6 daily, Mm -hmm. but we're open late on Mondays for family night, so it's $5 off between 4 and 8 p.m. And then Saturdays and your closed Sunday. Nope. We're open Sundays. We're open Sundays, Sundays as well. Yeah. So there's more extended We time. will be closed on Christmas Day, but that's the only day other than Thanksgiving that we are actually closed. Uh, that's when they want to sh- film their own movie. What happens on <laughs> yeah. Christmas Day when when Steve Vogel my, isn't there? Right. <laughs> my crew is still there. Okay. <laughs> Every day. Thank you so much for what you do to uh, provide that education and that resource to our community, the Loveland Living Planet Aquarium. Thank you for joining us, Caroline and Steve. And this is Rebecca with Utah Weekly Forum.